Welcome to The Truth in Us Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I have the pleasure to have on my podcast, a Grammy Award winner, professor, uh, trumpeter, and the assistant director of bands for Tennessee State University Aristocrat of Bands, AOB. Please welcome Professor Larry Jenkins. Welcome to the podcast. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, brother. It's a pleasure Thank to be you. here. Absolutely. Um, I was trying to channel, right? I was trying to channel oh. Stevie Wonder from Do I Do oh. when he kind of oh. goes off briefly. Yeah, 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 for sure. That's my jam, bro. <laughs> it's a good one. It's a good one. <laughs> so, you know, as we start off, I want to again, you know, thank you for making the time. And before we get into sort of the, the main conversation, the main themes of, of today's chat, um, would you mind sharing a bit about your background? What was it like growing up? Um, you know, kind of and how maybe some of those early moments in your life kind of help shape who you are creatively, academically, personally, however you want to answer that. But that's where I want to start off at. So um, me originally, I'm from Portsmouth, Virginia. So I'm from the coast. Uh, that's right next to Virginia Beach and Norfolk and everything. Grew up on the water. And um, anyways, I was a music head from a very young age. You know, my Dad had vinyl records all over the place and a big CD collection. This back in the days when, you know, you could order a CD for a penny a month, all that crazy stuff. <laughs> so, um, you know, yeah, my, 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 my mom sang in the church choir. So did my, both my grandma, my grandmother and granddad. Um, and I even found this recent, not, not a recent, very far from recent, but recently I found a picture of myself, uh, you know, as a child, maybe like three years old with a toy saxophone. So, I mean, music was one of those things that just was a part of me from the get go. And um, <laughs> my mom would also tell a story about like me being in, in, you know, church and when somebody would sing a wrong note or something happened, like I was already showing, you know what I mean? Like my ear was already developing. Yeah. And I got one more crazy story with that too. My mom said when she was pregnant with me, that there was a there was a certain person who you know maybe sang a little out of tune, and she said it never fails. And this sounds like almost folklore, but she said it never failed that I would be kicking inside every time. And I'm like, okay. She said she knew I was gonna be a musician. But anyways, fast forward, I got in the band in um, middle school and started playing trumpet. You know, fell in love with it. It was in the band at IC Northam in high school. Loved it, loved it, loved it. And um, it was either going to be musical journalism because um, I was I was also in that space in high school. I was the editor of our paper and just was, you know, feeling that that lane as well. But um, I went down to uh, actually FAMU for a journalism workshop um, in between my junior and senior year. And when I heard the band outside playing, um, and this was their summer camp, and as I was typing and, you know, editing the paper and doing those things, I was like, well, I think I'd rather be on my horn right now. And that was the moment that I knew and going into that next year, um, you know, then I saw TSU and it was it was over with, you know, audition and the rest is, is, is history. Wow. Wow. That is um, I like when we have have those moments where I, I look at my trajectory a little bit and, I, and I'm hearing that a little bit from you. It's just like, all right, I went from here to here and this not many more steps. You know, it's not yeah. like a winding road, you know. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, kinda yeah. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I I'm, I'm thinking back about that that story you, you were mentioning of like, yeah, sounds a little off, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I watch I watch a lot of like um, um, horror TV and movies and uh -huh. in that way, 
And I remember um, watching the most recent iteration of Interview with the Vampire and someone's playing like string music and one of the vampires is like, he is not good. He's like, I'm planning on killing him later just because he's playing that bad. (laughs) And I'm like, I relate to this. (laughs) Not the killing part. Not the killing part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hilarious. So talk, talk a little bit about like you know, sort of that that music scene, like in in Virginia, because that's that's one thing that I think it's a nice hotbed. You know, when I think of Virginia, I think of Pharrell, I think of the Neptunes, I think of uh, Timberland, but Missy, I think of that sort of like layout. So, you know, what was what were some of the things you were listening to, like growing up or what have you? And you know, like what was that? What was the scene that you were around musically? So um, definitely, all the people that you mentioned were people I listened to. Uh, Missy is actually from Portsmouth, so from the same city. You know, you always say, oh, I was in school with her from some of your, your cousins and everything. But uh, no, it was definitely a very, very cool scene being in Virginia, you know, technically South, but our town is a military town. And then you have Go-Go and all these influences coming from D.C. And it's three hours away from where I grew up. And on the dot and just every single type of music that you can think of, you know, we had it somewhere in rotation uh, where I'm from. You know, of course, like when you mentioned a Missy, a Timberland, a Pharrell, a Petty Riley, like all these people, they bring in, you know, so much influence and also out to the world. You know, the, the, the sound is not necessarily... Uh, tagged as a Virginia sound, it's a Pharrell sound or a Timberland sound, as opposed to, you know, certain places, you know, you can have that Memphis sound or those like things. But um, Virginia played a big role and specifically our area in Virginia played a really, really big role in the sound and development of sound in music, especially popular music, dealing yeah. in hip, um, all these things. So for me, I, it, it was it was having and just a big worldview of music uh, because of them and because of how much that spread to the world, but also because of my band experience and um, doing things like uh, Hampton Rose Youth Win Ensemble. So I was playing, um, you know, people from around the area and exposed to different music. Um, BET, you know, it's the music video era still. Uh, so BET, MCB, all that stuff. And then going out and playing in the city, uh, we created a small group with me and a few homies and, um, you know, just just really took music in every way you could think of. I probably experienced it at that time. It's great. It's great. It's uh, it's something about where you come into that sort of crossroads. Like I think of, you know, I went to City College and we had a really, really cool band. And uh, oh. we, we, I would I, I remember it was. <laughs> This is so ridiculous, but I like something about when the the band plays and it's something that's like super contemporary and you're not really expecting it. So setting the stage, I want to say this may have been like 2001. I'm really dating myself here, but I remember... (laughs) <laughs> I, I remember I, I, I was like going through like a really weird like breakup and then like a really sad song was playing, but by the band. And I'm like, oh, my good. I was like, this is a great but also a sad soundtrack right now. And the musicianship, though. <laughs> Just... yeah, right, right, right. Like, is this for me? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so when did you kind of get into... As I read in here, like, you know, while in high school, you know, trumpet player, obviously, and, you know, student, like, music arranger. So so tell me a little bit about sort of that and kind of taking more of that side, going from 
sort of the the playing and, and, and kind of shifting towards like seeing what's behind the scenes and arranging. And eventually we're going to you know segue into the education point. But let's start there. So with with that, I got a program called Finale in 2001, and um, that's a music notation software program. And um, when I got that, you know, it was one of those things that sparked my interest to uh, start writing music for the band, start arranging. And, um, you know, it was another thing where I remember I got some scores and scores I'm talking about, like when you can see every single part of the music. Right. So I got a few scores um, that somebody sent me from Paul Adams, who used to be an arranger at Norfolk State and one of the assistant band directors there. And he's legendary. So. I was kind of looking at how he was right, just looking at the page and, you know, even like listening to, excuse me, other bands playing and trying to take what I'm hearing and put it down on the paper. You know what I mean? Just, just like seeing if I could take it from, you know, just audio to in front of me. And what ended up happening was I started practicing on my own. Um, you know, you would ask a few questions, get some tips, but the real spark was sitting on the computer and nerding out. Just, it's just, just nerding out. And I wrote "Rock with You" by Michael Jackson. Nice. And I remember it to my band director, Mr. Thurgood. And when he heard it, he's like, "Oh shoot!" And then he's letting you know some of his peers hear it, and they're like, "Oh shoot!" You know, I think he's kind of got it. And then um, from there, you know, I was given the opportunity to start doing things actually for our band, and you know, put it into practice. And I just took took that and ran with it, you know, even to this day, that's one of the, one of the main things I do um, in this space. So yeah, that's, that's how it started, but I'm glad that I had people to um, not only help shape me like Prof Sexton here. I learned so much from him, Mr. Washer at Howard learned so much from, from them in regards to what I do um, even outside of the observing and listening, but people who, you know, took some time to help me to shape the craft. Thank you. That's, that's great. It's great to hear that. Um, so, so obviously, you know, professor is not one of those like fake titles. It's actually, <laughs> you know, which are real thing is I've seen some some of y'all music guys. It's like, yeah, I'm the, you know, Quasar rock and roll. It's like, all right, you sure? Is that a, is that a visual title? All right, then. Cool. Cool. Um, and I had this bit where I want to wear captain's hats whenever I'm doing a podcast live. I'm going to the captain's <laughs> podcast ship. I don't, I don't have any credentials, you know? So <laughs> I want to switch gears to the education point because you you are a professor. So let's let's talk about education. And, you know, what are your, like, three favorite aspects of, of being an educator um, and, and why? Okay, so um, my three favorite aspects of being an educator, um, one is got to be, I think the first word is jumping into my brain is, like, impact and being able to impact, uh, you know, your students' lives. Like each one of these, and especially at this point, um, each, each class, you know, being in front of them so much, being around them so much, it, it, it has impact. You know what I mean? We see our students in the fall, especially. I, let, let's just talk about fall alone. I see my students more hours in a day than I see anybody in my family, including my wife. You know what I mean? Like we are around them and pouring into them and working together because um, it's a lot of collaboration and being a band director, you know, yes, we are the educator in a sense, in the traditional sense, but uh, it's a collaboration. You know, they don't want to see me out there marching. They're, 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 <laughs> that's not the goal. So, you know, we're all working together, but impact will be one. Um, I think, let's see, number two, um, and this is this is an interesting one. I 
I'm a lifelong learner. And, you know, the education, I guess the point of this number two is the education goes both ways. You continue to learn as you go. You know, it never stops. There are some things that our students are doing. There are some things that some kids who aren't in college yet that will be here in, you know, five years. They're going to come with some skill sets, some knowledge, some different things, some new apps or whatever that, you know, I'm I'm not privy to or I might not understand. So you're continuing to learn. And um, I think that's an important aspect of education you, that you don't stop learning and don't get to that headspace where, you know, learning becomes a thing of the past. Mm-hmm. And, um, let me see. Number three um, in, in, in our case is also, you know, you got the impact and not stop learning, but seeing where they go. That may be partly like impact, but also it's, it's the comeback. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like at a student, you know, five years later and I'm seeing, man, this, this kid is 28 and say kid, but you know, they're 28 now and they're getting married works for, uh, you know, Delta airlines and is this, I'm like, man, Okay, you coming back with this bins and everything? Like, I'm, 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 I'm glad that that you know this this worked out. You know, I'm glad yeah. that we were able to, to help you get to where you got. But no, to see see them um, in their careers and to see these students after they've been in your care, in a sense, is a beautiful thing. So I guess that's that's starting the impact. You have, uh, you know, the continuation of learning, but then you have them going out into the world. And that's a beautiful part of education to see them continue on. That's that's, that's wonderful. Um, I, I had this this conversation the other day about um, one of my friends who's an educator. And I'll be remiss. I didn't ask. Could you could you uh, tell the fine folks with the department and actually like the specialty and all of that? I, I wrote it, but I didn't say it. So I at least want to give you that space. Oh, for sure. Like my, my, um, you know, job description, job title, I'm assistant director of bands. Um, and as far as my role with the band goes, you know, it's few things. I kind of feel like a jack of all trades there. Um, do a lot of arranging along with Prop Sexton, who taught me and is still there. Um, you know, we do a lot of rehearsing the band. So a lot of the sound stuff, you know, that, that's that's where my band role lies. And, you know, even down to some marketing and things, too. And then in the Department of Music, I teach trumpet. Um, I'm the brass area leader or coordinator. And, um, you know, I teach brass technique. And just do a bunch of things um, in the education realm there. Uh, you know, I'm an advisor for uh, the band fraternity, topic of side, just all types of stuff uh, just on Jack campus. <laughs> yeah, all, Jack of all trades. And then outside of school, you know, I'm playing my instrument, producing, and just, just – Try, I guess staying busy. <laughs> it, it'd be, I, I had a um, I had an interview the other day with a um, actually with a trumpeter, and he's like, "Yeah, you know." I was like, "What do you usually hear?" I was like, "You know," because I'm I'm trolling a little bit. I was like, "How often yeah. do you hear cat in a day?" Like, and these cats out here, he's like, "A lot." And I was like, yeah. "What's the other thing you hear? Get your home with you?" I was like, "That's really funny, actually." Yeah. Yep, that's one. <laughs> That, that means he's one of the cats. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how you know, like a person is like out there and it's, they're not like faking the funk. It's like, nah, I got that thing on me all the time. It's yeah. it's 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 akin to. So I like making these comparisons with different types of creatives. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's like when you talk to a photographer and you ask him, like, what's the best camera you have? The one you have on you. Is it's that? 
Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. yeah. Um, so, you know, we touched on a little bit. So let's, let's, let's get into it. Let's talk about the band a bit. Uh, yeah. So it's the band. Uh, it's been called a band of firsts. Yes. Help, help me with that. Why, why is that the case? There are just several instances in our uh, our history and lineage, however you want to put it, that um, our band has been one that has you know broken a barrier or um, you know took that step to be the first to do something. And um, when we say band, the first is something to be very proud of. Because even in, you know, the bragging rights that goes with, oh, first, 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 you know, it's bigger than um, bigger than that when you affect culture. You know what I mean? When you're you're, you're affecting like literally the mindset of people or um, exposing people to things. So, um, you know, our band is, was the first HBCU band to do a presidential inauguration parade. That's a barrier breaking down. You know, that was for Kennedy. That's a, that's a barrier being broken down or the first to be shown in this HBCU marching band to be shown on national television doing a halftime show for an NFL game. You know, that's, that's that's something big. That's a barrier, especially when you're talking about, you know, it may be the 60s and it's like, wait a minute, we haven't seen this before. What is this? You know what I mean? The exposure that goes to that. They're, they're, they're students. Um, I think in Prof. Graves, who was my band director, he's in his 80s now, I think 80, 81, 82. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that the reason he chose TSU was because he saw that performance, you know what I mean, on TV. That, that may have been the 50s, actually. So something going that far back, you know, breaking a barrier like that, um, those type of things, they matter. And then, you know, we fast forward to, um, you know, most recently, and we're the first HBCU band to ever perform on the White House lawn for President Obama. And uh, without just, you know, going down the entire list, First HBCU band, first marching band, period, HBCU or not, to ever win a Grammy. So, you know, it's just, we're, 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 I'm proud that we're able to, you know, step out on and do things that might not be normal or go into those spaces where you might push a boundary or break a rule or whatever the case may be and, um, you know, push, push this culture forward. Love that. It's, um, it's one of those things when you're you're pushing boundaries, when you're kind of finding that own your, your that own lane or making your own lane or whatever that might look like, it can be sort of a challenge. But those rewards, those rewards that come out of it, it's just like no, this was worth it. Facts. So, so you know, tell us tell us about uh, you know how did the Urban Hymnal come together? That's 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 the Grammy, right? That's that's the Grammy situation, right? Sure. The urban hymnal, um, the the genesis of everything really started with uh, the connection with me and Sir the Baptist, and you know he came up one weekend for a game. Like he saw the band on my IG and then text and said, "Man, can I come up to hear this in person?" I'm like, "Yeah." And we jumped on the Zoom and we we're talking, and he's like, "Man, I'm really about to come up and stalk you." And he came up that week and did just that. And so at the same time, I was trying to figure out, um, you know, who I wanted to put in place for an artist and residency program that I was tasked to lead. And I saw the way that he just hopped up and came out and all these things. It's like, hmm, he makes sense for this. And uh, so next thing you know, we start to build this program out. And we're at uh, a Mexican restaurant called Cinco de Mayo. And... As we're there, we're writing everything out on a napkin. And um, it was one of those things where I looked up and said, 
man, we suggest you know, instead of just doing the program itself, let's do a whole album. And his words were, I was waiting for you to say that. And next <laughs> thing, we ended up, you know, getting right to it. Like that next month, we are uh, recording, you know, we're getting the band together. And there were so many layers and elements to it. You know, there would be some days where we would have, you know, a small group come in. Some days it would be the whole band. Um, recording vocals like it was just so much it was a very very tedious process that we took from probably that that early february and did all the way up through the summer until it was almost time to release and released in in, in, um january i mean excuse me in september uh later that year so for for those who are who are and, and thank you for walking us walking us through it and so I got this other question that has these different steps attached to it. Oh yeah, what is that process like of sort of you, you work on a project you you put it out you put everything into it it goes well you feel solid and then you feel solid you feel good about it and then yes. sort of you know the conversations of you know you know maybe we should put this up there for consideration or how does that sort of process look like can you you know set the stage for us from you know completing the the, the project and then you know kind of having that sort of for your consideration and then that yeah. moment where you you hear your name you hear your name on stage or have you so so tell us set that stage for us so um you know going through this process of course Again, we're like recording heavy with the band, doing um, a lot of meticulous things because we want it to be very good. And um, this is even outside of the world. You want the album to touch people. You want it to be sonically uh, in place, you know, in every which way. You want you want it to be as perfect as possible. And plus the artists who all, um, you know, a lot of them being Sir's friends and those things, um, the artists who stepped in to be a part of this project with us and to make this history. So, you know, we wanted that package to be right. As we are doing this and, you know, working on working on our release and we're now looking at, OK, I think we can go for, you know, a Grammy for this. I think is that good. or We think is that good. And um it's one of those things where we're now looking at the release date. All right, who's going to submit this? Um, you know, I have to be submitted by, by a member of the Recording Academy at the time. You know, I'm not a member, so I'm like, okay, how, you know, get this done? Who's going to submit? And that's when Jay Ivey actually did our submission. Oh, man, that is a, that is my guy. Shout out to Jay Ivey. And um, so all these, these, these things that we're starting to think about and – we put everything in place to do so. We get all the paperwork in and, um, you know, we make a moment out of it where uh, we bring, uh, I mean, the news came out, everything like, hey, they're going to submit for a grant, which is unprecedented in itself for Marching Man. So, um, you know, we got that moment and we released our album, you know, in time to be considered. We uh, put it up for consideration and turned it in. And then it was the waiting game. Yeah, We had to wait for the day um, where, you know, the nominations would be announced. In between that time, uh, we're putting out a lot of content, a lot of for your, for your consideration stuff, you know what I mean? And making sure that it's visible, making sure that our content is good and inviting and exciting and all these things. So we did a lot, a lot of content work and it was hectic. It was tiring, you know what I mean? Because you're thinking about it every day. And um, all that work to get to the point where, um, you know, it was the, the day of the nominations. And I'm 
so nervous that day. I can't really do anything. So I'm sitting at home, stomach and not saying I'm watching the show top to bottom. And then it got to our category. We were the last one named in the category. So you see four names go up before you and you're just like, oh, man. And when I said Tennessee State University, it went crazy. Phone blowing up, students <laughs> running out of class. Just it was a moment, you know what I mean? And um that that set the stage for um the the you know the next next round, which was actually going to the Grammys. So woo, it was a ride. That's 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 dope. Um I this this is a secondary question. I got one more last real question after this, but I definitely want to ask this one. It's 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 goofy, but it's actually kind of funny. So <laughs> like I, I I'm just getting into a spot where I'm invited to things like that had to put on clothes. So usually I'm in Carhartt like shirts and like sweaty sweatpants. It's not a good combination. <laughs> So when you know that you're going to the Grammy, what was the fit selection like? Like, you're like, all right, I got that. That's clean. I got I got that from the back for the tail as a second ago. What was that situation <laughs> like? Woo, it was my well, first it was man, I gotta get back in the gym because <laughs> that was first. I mean, you know, during this whole process, you're you're up late all the time and eating pizza, all just craziness. So um, got in the gym first, and then from there, uh, it was one of those things where I'm like, man, I wanted to pull whatever my best suit. I mean, you know what I mean? Your suit tuck. Let me find the one that's best. And I went and I bought one, but then I went to one that I already had, and I'm like, nah, I'm going to do this one. And uh, just ended up ended up choosing something that I knew would work and um, you know, got that approval from the wife and after that, you know, it was like, okay, we're going to go with this. And I kept my book with me, too, as a part of the outfit. It has the drum major on the front, and the picture is by, um, or the painting was by Ernie Barnes, the great Ernie Barnes, who painted that picture that you see in the beginning of Good Times. And uh, he was cool and cool with Jay Ivey, or he was like a mentor, I should say, to Jay Ivey. And so Jay Ivey gave me that book, so I kept that with me as something special. But as a part of the outfit, too, just the whole uh, persona as being like I'm carrying the band um, culture with me. That's that's really cool. That is really cool and um, very intentional too. Where it's just like I, I, you know, because in the last few years we've been so caught on what's on Zoom and all of that stuff. And yeah. you know, when someone knows that they're being filmed, I like to look in the background. You know, mm-hmm. what did they put? What's that book over the shoulder? What's that book yeah. over the shoulder? And sometimes people ain't on point. And I'm like, yo, you were not prepared. But other times it's like, oh, I see that. I see what you did there. That's uh, cool. For <laughs> so, sure. So you taking that huge moment. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to have this current band with me. Because you can't. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a challenge to bring the entire, like, band up there and all of that. It just feels like, uh, you know, Wu-Tang Clan circa, like, 94 or something <laughs> like that. It's, it's just white. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is the last real question I got for you. So recently I read a, um, a quote, quote of yours that reads, um, HB, HBCU uh, band culture is vital to American music. Like, how does, like, earning a Grammy it serve as a reminder to the larger community of the importance of HBCU band culture? I mean, I went to an HBCU, too, so we're here, yeah. you know? <laughs> for sure. I think it's one of those things where it shows, for one, that there are no limits to it. Um, sometimes for me, you know, like band culture, for one band culture is very much, um, you know, it's, it's guarded, it's tight knit. Um, 
you know, it's one of those like, and being at HBCU, you already know, it's like, if you, if, if you know, you know, on the culture side of it. And then we have things like, like drumline that, you know, took the culture mainstream and, um, things like that that you see now, HBCU bands, um, catching different opportunities. Like family was just, they did a Louis Vuitton thing. Um, we just did, you know, the Lakers halftime all the way from Tennessee, you know, these, these type of things. Like you get these, these, um, uh, things that expose you, expose the world, I should say, to HBCU bands. But a lot of times, to me, uh, it gets wrapped up in only a certain thing, um, only the battle of the bands. You know what I mean? Who's got the bragging rights? Who's going to do this? Who's going to – you see that side. But do you also know that, you know, our jazz band, you know, played at the Midwest Clinton the first time HBCU Every that's another band first one. But the first time uh HBC performed, uh awesome performed that. You know what I mean? So that's that's huge. That's in a whole other lane that a lot of people won't won't even see. You know, you have our win ensemble, you know, performing all up and down the, the coast and did Chicago Symphony stage. You might not see that. Right. But that's that's major. So we're touching culture, even outside of Marshall Man itself, the HBCU band, period. Um, you know, is there there's just layers. There, there's more than what meets the eye. And I think that the importance to it in this instance is that, you know, being able to put out an album that is not traditional. You hear vocals, you know what I mean? You hear the marching band, but you also hear some stripped down versions where you can hear the flutes nice and clear. You hear some different sounds and it shows the versatility. And then being able to win the Grammy shows the validity of it. You know what I mean? It's, it's really validating in a different type of way that, I mean, putting out the album itself was big. You know what I mean? And there is a pride that goes in that and accomplishing it and knowing that it is that good. You know, that hearing the testimonies that is touching people is doing its job. You know what I mean? But then to be recognized by the Academy and to be able to have that stamp on it just certifies not only, you know, our band, which uh, believe me, it does. That's the HBCU bands thrive on bragging rights. Oh my God. And it, it, it's, 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 one, it's just part of the culture, yeah. but bigger than that, you know what I mean? And, you know, for me, it's, it's big picture. And I'm just glad that, you know, we were able to have a stamp on culture the same way. If we can go outside of bands and not to ramble on, but to go outside of bands, uh, you know, think about the Fisk Jubilee Singers who are right down the street from us. Fisk and TSU are a mile apart, mm-hmm. right? And Fisk and TSU are the only two HBCUs in the country to have Grammys. They're a mile apart on the same street, wow. on Jefferson Street, off Jefferson, which is the same street that Jimi Hendrix lived on and uh, James Brown and everybody performed. So when you hear that type of thing, it's like, okay, okay. The culture has way more impact a lot of times than what it seems. You know what I mean? So that is, in essence, like wrapping all that up, all that culture up, all, um, you know, the accomplishments, but the impact up, it shows that we've really made an impact on American music and have a place in American music, um, have, have had a place in American music for years. That's that's great and well said. Um, I think a lot of these things, you know, opportunities sort of that awareness sort of that those credentials that acknowledgement that you know validation 
is it's also an invitation. It's a reminder for folks to to check into something further, whether it be and and I think you know, like I know what I do when I go on Instagram and I see a video that has some song I've never heard in there. I'm like looking in the comments who did the song, and I'm looking for you know what was the sample from. I'm looking for the whole thing, right? And you know, I think sort of that acknowledgement, that check in. You know, I would hope it would incline folks, and obviously I'm one because you know we're talking now. But it would incline folks to dig deeper and to look into sort of macroly speaking, not only like TSU, but also like all of these other like HBCUs, all of these other um, like things that are in you know uh, in in Tennessee or what have you, musically wise, musically wise, and really dive into that. And it's an invitation. That's the way I look at it. It's a starting point. I agree with that. 100 percent it is and there's so much to explore so you know definitely a big impact on culture across the board so so that's that's pretty much it for the real podcast now i got like i got like four rapid fire questions for you i had to add a couple while we were talking (laughs) uh i I took out a few i added some it'll work out but you know as i always tell people don't overthink them okay ridiculous uh (laughs) What is your favorite music movie? You you mentioned Drumline a little bit earlier, um, and that would qualify in that vein. But what is your favorite like music movie? It could be a movie about music. It could be a movie where music is very prominent, like a musical. But what is your favorite music movie? Woo, that's pretty good. I think my favorite music movie would probably be Whiplash. Outside Drumline. My man. <laughs> I mean, I, I have feelings about the director. Um, his birthday yeah. is literally a day before mine's, and I'm like, oh. it's like I'm not supposed to like this dude. I made fun of uh, La La Land so much. I, I, yeah. just, I just did some riff, some humming riff whenever they were announcing La La Land. Oh, they didn't win. I was like, <laughs> but Whiplash was so crisp, and I'm like, I'm not J.K. Simmons, but. <laughs> If this Dude, I mean, my, podcaster. my man was a menace in that movie, but I, I just, it was, it was so good though. It was, it was something about it. He was wild. Yes. But no, it was, it was definitely a good movie to me. I, I enjoyed it. It kept me on the edge of my seat. All right, 100%. Um, is there something about you that might surprise people who don't know you well? Hmm. Hidden talent, uh, you know, things of that nature. Something about me that might surprise people who might who don't know me well. Yeah, that is a good question. Um, that wouldn't surprise. I was about to say, uh, like sneakers. I don't think that's going to surprise anyone. Uh, maybe, maybe my love for NBA Two K. Okay, that that might surprise surprise folks, and I, I'm surprised surprise people who might not know me well. Um, like students, I remember one time I said it to my students, like, hey, y'all, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't think any of y'all will be able to see me on this game. And everybody like, what? No problem. You know, that type of thing. So <laughs> I'll throw that one out there. My, my love for 2K. And I'll take it even deeper. I can't remember the last year that I haven't bought 2K. Wow. Okay. That, that, and that goes way back. So that might might be it. Are you a creative player guy, or are you just rolling with a certain squad? What what is that situation? My player has been been my addiction for probably since my player became a thing. So oh, is that player addiction? And the next thing is um, 
I don't follow uh, WWE like I used to, but I try to watch WrestleMania every year. I just missed this one, but I usually try to watch WrestleMania every year, too. I finished up that 19 hours of WrestleMania today. Uh, literally, it was nine hours, and uh, it was fun. We we might have to talk about that off mic. We had to talk about it off mic. I didn't know you were a wrestling guy. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, so here's the last two. Could you name three timeless records that have come out in the last decade? Ooh, three timeless records that have come out in the last decade. What is this? It's 2023. Uh, to Pimp a Butterfly. Mm. That for sure, good and timeless. Um, I'm a hip hop guy, so I might be in that lane. Maybe more than um, more than anything else. Um, I think this is going to end up being timeless. I don't know what the plays were on it, but it's a timestamp. Yeah. Or um, Jay Z. Mm-hmm. It, it is um, to me one of those albums that. You you know exactly what was going on. He he he's like lighting or putting the light on exactly what's going on. I guess you can say the same about September Butterfly in some in a way too. I mean that the album was so so hefty. And oh man, I'm about to be such a cheese for this. The Urban Hymnal. I'm gonna be such a cheese for this. But reason being is because again, this is the first time this ever happened. So 100 percent is timeless. It's gonna be stamped. I, I like it. It's, it's a version of shameless plugs, but also I dig it. I want, on the same page, we're on the same page. It's, it's the respectable <laughs> thing. It's the beard and the, and the glasses. That's what we had. <laughs> so this is yeah. the last one. This is the last one. You touched on pizza earlier. So I got to ask you, um, after, let's say, a long, long day, you know, doing all of the, you know, just doing all the drag, the jack of all trade things that one does. Yeah. <laughs> what is a food that you just crave that you're like, it needs to be good. It needs mm-hmm. to be quick. But I'm gonna need. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's gonna be two two things. If it's good, good it needs to be quick. Um, you mentioned pizza. Yes, I like the nice uh, pepperoni, mushroom, thin slice. You know, I, I'd rather not have the, the big thick one. But you know, when I can fold the cup of ranch, so I can dip. Definitely want the the pepper and uh, parmesan, just the whole shebang. And if if, if you know, with the uh, same dude, what are we doing? <laughs> You feel me? Uh, if I can get that, then I think we're, you know, in, in good place. I like a margarita pizza, too. Um, but, yeah, you know, give me a little basil. But that that's that's the move. Or I'm also a, you know, a taco connoisseur. Mm-hmm. Those are, you know, a gift from God. And, um, you know, a good shrimp taco, steak taco. We don't have to do a lot to it. We can put some onion, cilantro, even though I like me a little shredded cheese on there too. Yeah. Some Valentina, and we 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 on the road. We moving. I, I like it. I was I was almost looking for something southern, and then it was yeah. nothing. It was just like, yo, I got essentially a New York slice and then like a Cali shrimp taco, maybe yeah. one with steak. <laughs> you you are speaking my language. That that is it right there. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Um so Thank you. Um, that is pretty much the the crux of the podcast. But I want to, you know, invite you and encourage you to share with the folks in these final moments where they can check you out, TSU, all of that good stuff. The floor is yours. Absolutely. So um, you can check me out on Instagram. Is really where I, I mainly, um, you know, do my my bids. I just hang out there. But I'm 
at Prof Jenkins, P-R-O-F-J-E-N-K-I-N-S on IG. And I think it's the same on Twitter, too. I'm not on Twitter as much, but um, I'm, I'm there. Then at TSU Aristocrats. Um, follow us there as well. Um, she, we have a performance coming up. We're actually performing at the Grand Ole Opry tomorrow, which is the first time that uh, it's, it's a debut for that as well. A, a Opry debut, as they call it, is usually the country space. So, yeah. you know, we'll do a, a new lane on tomorrow and uh, just gonna keep on, you know, be pushing this thing forward and upward and more to come. It's a lot of cool performances on the way. So stay tuned. Thank you. Um, oh, I got one more clip. Please. Also, uh, the brass band, Brassville, because we will be performing this summer um, again at the Exit Zero Jazz Fest, and that's in Cape May, New Jersey. I think Samara Joy is um, doing the uh, doing the main stage as well. So it's about to be a beautiful, beautiful uh, performance. But that's B R A S S B I L L E Brassville. That's the band. So yeah. And there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Professor Larry Jenkins for coming on to the podcast. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art and culture in and around your neck of the woods. You just got to look for it.